Yes, people, it is Friday, which means we are breaking down the big stories on Chin Check today, people. There's a few crazy things happening, so I sit down, buckle up, and we're about to get in it. So the PFL, Professional Fighters League, they have now completed everything, right? They've um, set their dates and they have finalised their roster as well as setting the card for the first main event of the year, right? So the PFL regular season will take place... On April the 23rd That's when it all begins It will then Come back on the 29th The 6th of May The 10th 17th And 25th of June Right, so that is Their regular season Which It's not many cards Right I mean that's what 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 Six cards I always thought there was more But no, there's just six You know, and then it goes into uh, The postseason As it were So yeah, they've set their cards Right, and The roster has now Been completed I thought it was, but no There's been additional fighters signed And you're wondering Who, who have they signed Well, people I'm glad you asked. All right, so they've added some welterweights in Gleason Tibau, Alexei Konchenko, and Jason Ponet. They've also, um, you know, got a light heavyweight in Nick Roherick. They've got a couple of um, featherweights. They've signed Anthony Dizzy and Chris Wade. And also a couple of um, lightweights for the women's division in Caitlin Young and Taylor Guardio. Right, so um, yeah, interesting moves. Interesting moves indeed. Now, I think the... um, the female lightweights were definitely, um, you know, they needed some names, and Caitlin Young is a name for sure. Is a name. I mean, not really a lightweight. <laughs> you know what I mean? She is, you know, she's fought all over the shop, right? But yeah, lightweight is probably, um, you know, that's definitely a move up for her. Right, and I think that's the problem with lightweight. Right, there's not many fighters who are actually legit lightweights. You know, you've got, you know, you've got a few who you can look at and go, oh yeah, that. You know, I mean, she's she could never cut down to bantamweight, but a lot of those lightweights, yeah, they're just bantamweights who have um decided just to. You know, put on a little bit of extra weight, right? Which it does 
I mean, make the uh, the weight class a little bit like what are we doing? You know, you kind of feel that you, you, it needs to be featherweight or on what's the point, right? Because you, I mean, there's no other lightweight fighting going on in the women's division. You know, there's not in the UFC, there's not in Bellator. I mean, I can't think of another organization that is doing female lightweight fights. Right, so it's just paper thin. I mean, the featherweight division is, uh, you know, short enough, right? So, um, yeah, that's that's the problem you have with some of these weight classes. Now, the other fighter they've added to uh, their lightweight division is Taylor Gudeo, right? Who is... um. Yeah, someone I, I, I just don't know. I mean, she's, um, yeah, she's only had one pro fight, right? From as far as I can see, she had one, you know, pro fight. I think she uh, fought, you know, amateurs with um, Invicta, you know, but... That's that's kind of it. You know what? I remember where I saw this guy. Like, the name has just been driving me insane. She fought on um the last Invicta, you know, Phoenix Rising series. Yes. So, um, yeah, it, it, it took place in March. Just before, you know, everything stopped. And she did really well. Right, it it was this weird situation. I forget how she got into the tournament. I think she might have been a replacement for someone or something. But yeah, she um, you know, she won two fights, got to the final, but lost in the final to um Tanisha Tennant. You know, went went a decision. Yeah, you know, so it's not like she uh, yeah. You know, sucked or anything. It, it went a decision. You know, she got a good win over like Claire Goffrey and Serena De Jesus, um, in the opening two rounds. But you know, I think the big thing about her was you know she was killing it on the amateur scene, and then just left the sport. Left the sport. You know, she'd been gone for nine years and then came back and um, looked really good in the, uh, yeah, in, in the tournament, right? So she had, whew, let's try and work this out. Three, five, six, seven, eight, ten amateur fights, right? One nine, lost just one. And that was to Ronda Rousey. You know what I mean? Like, every, like she beat, like, Ashley Evans-Smith, Raquel Pennington, you know? So, she, she, you know, she beat some good names. You look at the ladies who, uh, yeah, she, she beat, and you're like, oh, I know that person, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, look, but, you know, technically, she's, like, she's only had one profile. 
because the Guthrie and De Jesus fights, they were just one round. Because it was, you know, the only way you can do a tournament um, on one day these days. So, it is a... Yeah, yeah, it's a weird one, right? I don't know. You're kind of feeding some of these fighters to the wolves, it would seem, you know, for the PFL. But, you know... That's, I mean, what else can you say? So, yeah, these are um, their new additions to the squad. Uh, so, it opens some things up. You know, it definitely opens up some possibilities and all of that. But, yeah, the first card has been set as well. Right? So, that's the um, April 23rd. And on the undercard... Right, um, it's gonna start off with some featherweight fights, but they have not been announced yet. So we then go into Brendan Longahan against Shimon Morais. Uh, then it's Joe uh, Sungbin against Tyler Diamond, Ahmed Aliv against Mikhail Odenstuv, Jolton Latabuk against. Oliver Oban Mercier and Lokitat Rakhadubis against Johnny Case. And the main card, right, that's Lance Palmer against Baba Jenkins. Then Movlid Kaya Believe against Jason Soares. Nathan Schultz against Marcin Held. And the main event of this first card is Anthony Pettis against Clay Collard. So, yeah, all a go with the PFL, people. All a go with the PFL. In a move that may have caught a lot of people off guard, Edson Barboza has re-signed with the UFC. Now, I say that because at one point last year, in 2020, Barboza asked for a release from his contract. Yeah, he, he wanted to be released. He um, It was before the Dan Eag fight, right? So it was a time before the um, Eag fight. After... Um, yeah, after his loss with Paul Felder, you know, some time had passed and, you know, Barboza was just like, yeah, I'm, I want to be released from my contract. I think it was before the lockdown as well. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? The, that kind of probably played into him taking that EG fight. But, um, yeah, asked for the release from his contract. And I think everyone was thinking, where's he going to go? I think the word at the time was Bellator, you know? I think that's where a lot of people figured Barboza would move to. But, yeah, he, he um, yeah, COVID hit. He took the fight in May, lost that. So he's on a free fight losing streak. But then he fought um, Macman Americani on the Marais Sanhagen card in October. He won that fight. 
And um, yeah, then it was just wondering um, what's going to happen because he then said he was going to fight out his contract and enter free agency. You know, it's, but with the whole I want release from my contract talk, yeah, it just seemed that he was going to be gone. You know, and you know, Barbosa, it wasn't necessarily a huge shock. Like, because when you look at Barboza, he's one of them, like, almost guys. You know, he'd put together a run, and, um, yeah, then he'd lose, you know, a fight. So, uh, that's that's what was going on. Like, he came into the UFC, um, Bosch, November 2010. You know, so he's been in there for like 10 years, man. Um, yeah, came in on UFC 123, Rampage v. Machida. Ah, okay. I believe that's when Machida won the belt, right? Um, so, yeah, he came in then and he, you know, won four fights back to back. Ending with that horrendous... Sherry will kick knockout of Terry Etum. That was just like, oh my god. But then at UFC 146, you know, uh, Dosanias v. Mir, he lost to Jamie Varner. Right? But went on a three fight win streak, lost to Cowboy Cerrone. 1 2, lost to Michael Johnson. Then started the Paul Felder trilogy. <laughs> so he won that first one on the Dillashaw Barrera fight, second fight. Lost to Ferguson, Tony. Then he um, yeah went on a three fight win streak. Anthony Pettis, Gilbert Melendez, Bernal Deayush. Right, but then lost to Khabib and Kevin Lee back to back. Beat Dan Hooker, then, yeah, then it was um, lost to Gaethje, lost to Felder, and lost to um, Eag. So it's been that weird kind of trajectory for him. So, you know, you could understand why he might want to leave, thinking, hey, if I go to um, Bellator or PFL, you know, somewhere like that, I could probably, you know, be a champion. Right, but um, no, he has re-signed with the UFC. You know, a multi-fight contract, and uh, yeah, like him and his manager say that they believe he can um, you know, go on to get the belt. Ah, I mean, technically, yeah, he 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 has got all the talent to do that. I don't know if he will, but hey. It, it, it definitely opens up things for some fun fights, you know, so it isn't a bad thing having um, Edson Barbosa in the UFC, you know, his current record is um, 21 wins, 9 losses, you know, he's got 12 knockouts, um, only one submission, which just seems, huh, I thought he had more than that, right? And eight decisions. Interesting.
very interesting people. But yeah, there that's Edson Barboza. He's 35, so, you know, he's still got, uh, I'd say, probably a little bit of time. Maybe four more years, right? I mean, he has been in some wars, though. Has been in some wars, you know. So, um, yeah, we will see what happens with... Um, yeah, we'll see what happens with uh, Barbosa, you know? So a lot of the um the current talk at the moment is Jake Paul against Ben Askren. Right? That's the that's the boxing news that MMA fans have been talking about. But you know what I mean? All of a sudden, something else has come up, right? Frank Mir is to fight Antonio Tava, which, what the hell? That This isn't crazy ass shit. This isn't crazy. Like, I have just heard this news. Just heard this news today. And I'm, <laughs> I'm. Baffled. I'm baffled. Because it was weird. Towards the, uh, I want to say end of last year, I'd heard rumours that Mir had signed with um, Bare Knuckle, which that I was like, what's happening, man? Don't do that. You know, which was weird because I hadn't even heard he'd been released from Bellator. Right, as far as I knew, Mir was still a fighter for Bellator, you know. But you know, for for the last few months, we've just seen him really training his daughter Bella, which you know, I liked seeing that. Right, that that kind of thing. That's what it seemed was probably, you know, the place for Mir right now. You know, be passing on all of that knowledge because he has got a hell, a hell of a history in the world of MMA. You know, he did, when you think about the people he's fought, how long he's been doing it. Frank goddamn me, son. You know what I mean? So this, <laughs> this is just a, a crazy surprise. And... The fight is on the 17th of April. So it, it's not that far away. It's what, six weeks? You know, because we're basically at the end of February. You know, remember, it's 28 days. So that's Sunday, and we are done. So come Monday, you know what I mean? We're, we're in a new month, people. You know, so um, yeah, he, he's given himself, what, technically six weeks. Which, uh, yeah, it's crazy. Now, I do like the fact that Mir is, um, he's being, it looks like he's being realistic about this whole situation, right? And, um, you know, he's been talking about it on his, on his podcast, which I, I didn't know he had a podcast, but hey. That's all good, right? So some of the things he's been saying, right? I'm a competitor, right? I have been all my life 
I take on challenges to grow and better myself as a person. I have always wanted to test myself in the boxing ring, so when this opportunity arose, I jumped on it. See you April 17th, Antonio Tava. I mean, now, what he had been talking about on the podcast, right? So he's like, um, it forces you to push yourself. And at the end of the day, it makes me a better warrior all the way around, which only makes me a better coach for um, Bella. Now, instead of doing bare-knuckle boxing, it looks like my next showing will be a full-blown boxing match. Which, uh, yes. Um, And then he says, it's very reminiscent of my first UFC fight. I think I'm obviously being brought in on the B-side. I'm known in MMA more for my grappling than my striking. So I think it's something where I bring a name. But maybe not dangerous to him on the surface. So hopefully I'll train hard and prove them wrong. I'm not going to make it any illusions about it. This is probably a safe warm-up fight in their minds. In, um, in what their corners are looking at. So I, I think, yeah, that's a realistic thing, you know, that, you know, he, he, he's been brought in to basically uh, help, help Tava warm up for, I don't know, what, a, a fight in um, Tyson's Legends League, you know what I mean, something like that, right? So yeah, Whew. It, it, it's crazy because let's let's look at things, right? So Mir, he had thirty-two MMA fights, nineteen wins, thirteen losses, you know, and with his wins, five knockouts, nine submissions, you know. So yeah, four decisions, and he won by disqualification once. So I mean, five knockouts, you know, and it's not. Yeah, you know, I think it says a lot Now, I didn't, like, I don't know Because you think, he made his um, UFC debut at UFC 34 Which was, um, you know, November 2001, right? It was his third pro fight I didn't really know anything about um, Robert Traven, right? So, um, yeah, when it's just like, you know, I, I, I was brought in to lose against him. I don't know. I, I, that name didn't ring any bells to me. And, you know, I watched those early UFCs. And, yeah, I, for the life of me, I can't, you know, I, I don't recall Traven. Yeah. But, you know, Mir won that. And then he beat Pete Williams at UFC 36. But. He then lost to um, Ian Freeman. You know, lost to Ian Freeman. I I I feel that the Ian Freeman fight was, um, <sighs> because there was the motorbike accident, and I because the Freeman fight was at the Royal Albert Hall. 
uh, yeah, for it, for some reason I thought, you know, maybe he had the motorcycle accident after the Freeman fight. I forget because I I know he had that motorcycle accident where he, you know, everything went a bit wrong, and then he came back a bit too quickly. You know, but um. Yeah, I but then maybe the motorcycle accident was, you know, after the Tim Sylvia fight. Because he was out for, you know, a couple of years before his next fight. You know, it's like, yeah, so, you know, it's one of those things. I, I always forget when that motorcycle accident was. But, you know, Mir held the belt. You know, I think he had the belt proper and the interim belt as well. But, you know, he, he when you think about the people he beat, right? He beat Brock Lentzner, you know, early on. Got that heel, no, it was a knee bar, wasn't it? Yeah, got a knee bar submission over him. You know, beat him silver. You know what I mean? Man. Yeah, I mean, Pete Williams was a, you know, he was something back in the day, right? He beat um, Nagera, Anthony Hardonk, you know, he was a kickboxing wizard to beat him. You know, Czech Congo, Crow Cop, Roy Nelson. You know, so he, he definitely, you know, won some big fights. Antonio Silva, Todd Duffy. Rock'em, suck'em, robots. <laughs> you know, but he then left the UFC after a loss to Mark Hunt, right? Left the UFC, signed with Bellator. And, right, the, the, you know, the, the things that always kind of just be like, oh, man, I don't know. Because, you know, Fedor knocked him out, Right? Fedor knocked him out, and so this is the concern about fighting someone like Tava, you know, that's where you just think, oh man, I do not know, right, I do not know if that is the thing to do, it's not, yeah, it's a dangerous one, you know, it's a real... Dangerous situation doing that. And so, uh, yeah, it's concerning, right? It is very concerning. Um, but, you know, it is what it is, right? That fight has now been booked, right? So this is the thing. You, you, you look at Tava, right? You look at the beast he is. So he, you know, he was active between 97 and 2015. So he's, um, he's 50. I mean, he's 52, which again, that kind of surprised me. I, was, I always thought like, oh yeah, Tava, he's probably in his 40s, yeah, in his 40s. But then, you know, thinking about it, he, he, yeah, he was fighting Roy Jones, um, junior, you know, and they were around about the same age, and Roy Jones is, you know, 52, so, yeah, it makes sense, but, I don't know, like, I think you have that perception of you seeing these guys back in the day fighting, and you just remember them at that point as the killers they were then, right, but he held, you know, 
all the belts, right? WBA, WBC, IBF, IBO, right? He was a cruiserweight champion. He won a bronze medal at the uh, 96 Olympics. You, you know, you just look at all of that. All of that, and it's a bit like, oh, he's a problem, right? The magic man, <laughs> Tava is a problem, people. And I think he was in the Rocky film, right? Oh, it's in that Rocky film, which was just, yeah, that wasn't a good look. <laughs> That was not a good look at all. But, uh, you know, he, he was, he's just been murking people, right? Twi- you know, 39 fights, right? 31 wins, 22 knockouts. 22 knockouts. Now, I think the, the, the thing with boxing, when you do see those big... You know, knockout records. A part of that is bullshit. Right? Because, you know, the boxing model, they will feel, feel, you know, I mean, your, you know, your fight card up with bums for a period of time. Put you in with journeymen, people who you're going to easily beat. Right, which is the facade of boxing. So, yes, I mean, 22 knockouts. But how many of those knockouts were against legit killers? And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he can't knock out legits. Because, you know, he, he, he knocked out, um, you know, Roy Jones twice. You know, he, he is a problem. Right, so yes, I I understand he is a you know he's a killer, but out of the twenty two, how many are you know straight up issues, and how many are like cans, you know what I mean? I think that's the one thing. But even so, even so, yeah, Phil, oh Frank Mir. It's uh, yeah, not necessarily the best thing for him to be doing, you know, not necessarily the best thing. But um, yeah, I get it, right? I do get it. It's that uh, you know, it it's a fight that will potentially help draw people to that uh pay per view, you know, because you know that's why it's there. It's something that will draw people. But how many? You know, because there's going to be all these, all those Jake Paul followers, they probably do not even know who Antonio Tarver is. You know, so who's, you know, he's, Tarver is that big name, but how many people are going to, you know, buy the pay per view to watch him fight Frank Mir? Right, a, a, a UFC, he's a, a legend, for sure, he's an MMA legend, but he's not known for knocking people out, he has knocked people out, but he's not known for it, now, if you had 
Antonio Tarver and you wanted to put him against a UFC fighter, right? If you had Antonio Tarver against Francis Ngannou, <laughs> I mean that. That's one that people would be like, okay, yeah, let me uh, hand over my money right now. I want to see that. So that I think that's the thing. There's this weird. Conceit at the moment Oh we'll take someone and put him up Against the UFC And it's just like but why It is something that baffles me Because You know When you've got Jake Paul he's like oh, I'm calling out all these people But have you noticed they're all Significantly Smaller than him All significantly smaller than him you know, Which Is weird it's a weird thing to do. It's like, you know, a dude challenging a woman. You know what I mean? Like, because you know, you, you know you're bigger. You know you're bigger, you're stronger, right? That's the thing. So, you know, the experience is always a factor. It's always a factor. But there is that point. There is that tipping point where power is a bit, Insurmountable You know You have to think of that Because someone can dance around you Can you know Jab you up But because you're bigger You haven't got the power to stop them And then you know They manage to clip you Manage to clip you But because they're so big That clip You know that's going to fuck you up It's going to fuck you up and if it doesn't knock you out, it might stun you. So then he can land more shots on you. So there is always that. There is always that. And, if, if, you know, Mir did say, right, this is probably, you know, a, a better situation for him. And I got to feel mm, maybe not. <laughs> Right, maybe not. Now, I, I I don't particularly like the idea of mere bare knuckle boxing, but you know, a boxing glove, it's not great for PTSD. You know, the large surface area, you have that. Then someone like Tava, you know, the pistoning jab, the heavy hands, that's a lot of potential PTSD right there. You know, that's an issue, right? So, yeah, it's not necessarily the best thing for him to do, but it's happening. So, um, yeah, I don't know, people, what do you think? What do you think about this fight? What was really interesting was the other day, right? Just, um, I forget, I think it was on, it was Twitter or Instagram. Right, but uh, a post by Tony Ferguson caught my interest as I looked at it and I was like, hold on a second. And yeah, he was uh, standing with Freddie Roach, standing with Freddie Roach. And, um, you know, it looks like Tony Ferguson is now training at the wildcard gym, right? Which yeah, gotta say, that is a very good move, very good move, right, so, um, what Ferguson wrote was, um, 
right where I need to be. Thanks, Coach Freddie and Wildcard Boxing fam for giving me a chance. Always been a wild card at heart. Fight prep, mitt work and bag work in the box. Rest, recover and re-strategize. The Energizer is on full charge crew. Excited to train again. Hands feeling accurate and conditioning on point. But can always... Be better. So I, I think a lot of people are thinking Ferguson v Chandler is, uh, you know, on the cards. Which, hey, wouldn't mind seeing that. And, you know, people might be like, why is Ferguson training with Freddie Roach? And so this is the thing, right? Ferguson, it's not like he's got bad hands. Ferguson's hands are pretty decent. You know, he's always pistoning out that jab. It's always working. What I feel this gives him is new looks, right? Now, Ferguson, good movement. Again, really good movement. But it's not your traditional movement. It's weird. You know, it's uh, more of that weird shit. It's not like Dominic Cruz or Eddie Wineland, but it's weird in his own way. You know, and I think what we noticed against um, Gaethje, Ferguson went in with his traditional kind of plan, where he walks you down, he wears you out of attrition, and then he stops you, right? But Gaethje, he was, you know, pushing forward, leg kicks, as he does, hard shots, and Ferguson... He wasn't quite sure what to do, right? And when I say he wasn't quite sure what to do, that's not to be like he looked lost, but it was just the traditional ways he approaches a fight weren't working, right? Weren't working. So I think what this does, which what training with someone like Freddie Roach will give him is that traditional, Additional foundation, you know, so when, you know, he, he gets into a situation like in the Gaethje fight, he will know the, you know, traditional foot placements, he will be able to manoeuvre out of those situations, because where, you know, Ferguson doesn't have that, a lot of the other fighters do have that knowledge, Right, they've trained with more traditional boxing coaches, so you know they have that advantage over Ferguson. So giving Ferguson those extra tools, that extra look, that extra knowledge, it's only gonna make him crazier and dangerouser. Dangerouser? Hmm. More dangerous? Hmm. I don't know. Insert your word there, people. But, um, you know, hey, it, it, it's just a great look, right? Just a great look. So whoever Ferguson has next, I feel this is the thing that will help restart that engine. Because, you know, in the Oliveira fight, he just looked a little flat. Looked a little fat. He didn't look like the same Tony Ferguson. Now, you might go, hey, that's age. 
right? That's attrition. Don't think it is, right? I don't think this is the end of Tony Ferguson. I just think he's just tired, right? Ferguson is just, you know, he's tired. So you can look great, right? But, you know, inside you just, when normally... You, you you hit that barrier and then you jump through it You jump through it up to the next level It just seemed that Ferguson was just stuck on one level You know, and I think adding this Adding new excitement, adding new tools New looks, you know, new way of doing things That helps to restoke the engine And a restoked engine I mean, we've seen what the fuck that does to Tony Ferguson, right? Won the ultimate fighter. You know what I mean? Went through fucking people up, right? So, uh, yeah, uh, I'm really looking forward to see what um happens with Ferguson next, when that next fight will be, you know? And listen, I, I kind of feel, you know, it doesn't have to be now. It doesn't have to be now. A little break, you know, that's probably a great thing, get some training in, have a little break, come back, I don't know, what, May, June, maybe even July, International Fight Week, boom, you know, new tools, new focus, hey, same badass motherfucker Tony Ferguson, champ shit only, son, <laughs> but yeah, can't wait people, can't wait. So the UFC on ESPN plus 44 weigh-ins have taken place And um, it's not as bad as last week Last week there was um, there were definitely some issues, right? Definitely some issues But yeah, things aren't as bad But <laughs> they weren't necessarily smooth, right? So, uh, you know we had weight issues. Oh, I mean, we had weight issue. <laughs> it was just one fighter this week. So, I mean, that's something, right? So, our opening fight on the... Uh, no, actually, was it the opening fight? Hmm. Um, no, I think it's the second fight in, right? It was a light heavyweight clash. Dustin Jacoby against a Maxim Grisham. Right, so uh, think light heavyweight, you know, it's 205. So you've got the uh, pound allowance, right? So you can be 206 and all is good. Unfortunately, Grisham, he weighed in at 210 and a half. 210 and a half. So that is an extra four and a half pounds over the goddamn limit. Which, not great. I mean, not great. Yeah, it, it makes you scratch your head, stuff like that. And you're thinking, what were you doing? Like, what, really, what were you thinking, man? This is insane. This is some crazy ass shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? And Grisham, it's not like he's new to the game, right? He's had nearly 50 fights. Yeah, no, he's definitely, well, yeah, nearly, nearly 50, 
right? Well, I mean, over 40. <laughs> He's got 31 wins, 8 losses, 2 decisions. You know, you'd think a, a vet like that, someone with that level of experience, isn't going to be coming in that heavy. You know? Which is cra- is some crazy shit. Right? But, yeah, that's what happened. Now, Jacoby, he, you know, he's a pro, right? He, he's a pro, and he's just got back to the UFC, so you know he ain't fucking around. Right? He came in at um 204.5. You know, half a pound under the actual limit. And he's he he agreed to take the fight at a catch weight. He will be getting um 30% of Grisham's purse. But even so, right? Even so. Ugh, it's not good. Not good. Now the uh, main event, that's all good. So uh, Rosenstruck, he weighed in at 254.5. And Gunn, he's at 247. Which, like, you, yeah, you know, Gunn, he's not one of the biggest heavyweights. But his movement, I mean, a big part of his game is that movement, his kicks. I mean, just, uh, yeah, just the, the flexibility that he shows. So, uh, yeah, being 247, you know, that enables him to do that shit, man. So, uh, that yeah, that's all good. It'd be interesting. I cannot wait to see that one. Now, everyone else was um, on point. You know, we got no real issues. The co-main, um, both... Krylov and Ankaliyev, uh, two and two oh five and a half. You know, so that's all good. I think, um, you know, when you look at the strawweight fight between Angela Hill and Ashley Yoda, that was a very late addition. A very late addition. Both ladies, hundred and sixteen. Hundred and sixteen. You know. Yeah, you know, that yeah, you know, they're at the limit, right? So it's a hundred fifteen is the straw weight. So you with the pound limit, hundred sixteen. They're pro, they're professionals. They came in on weight on a short notice fight, right? And you think Maxim Grisham had all that time, all that training camp, and he's four and a half over. It's just crazy, just. Crazy, um, but yeah, I ain't yeah no no real uh, other significant things. We did unfortunately lose a fight though, you know, did unfortunately lose a fight, and yeah, it's a uh, you know you gotta feel bad, gotta feel bad for the dude. So Ramazan um Kurgamagadov. He was due to make his UFC debut. Due to make his UFC debut against Alex Oliveira. You know, he, he was stepping in on short notice to replace the injured Randy Brown. Right? So you're like, oh, you know, he's a very good talent. Right? Very good talent. This is going to be a great fight. You know, we finally get to see um, how he would do in the UFC. But yeah, he, um, I don't know, something happened, 
something happened. He he just was feeling uh, feeling ill, and um, he's had to pull the fight. Now, we like possibly it was to do with the weight cut, right? Because of uh, you know this being a short notice fight. You know what sometimes happens? People they you know they technically they cut down, they do all the biz, they make the weight. But then their body goes a bit crazy because you know, cutting or cutting weight is not—it's not always the best thing, right? It's not always the best thing, and if you have to cut a lot of weight in a short amount of time, it can fuck you up. So maybe it was that, but there's so much crazy shit going on. It could be anything, but hopefully that fight—you know—it it gets rebooked, or if not that fight. He can um, make his debut real soon, you know, and, um, you know, Oliveira, you got to feel bad for him as well. So, yeah, hopefully he can, you know, get something sorted out. But, people, that is the weigh-in, right? That's the weigh-in. So, we are all set now, people, all set for the weekend. And, um, yeah, that means... We are now at 10 bouts, 10 bouts, which, hmm, actually, I feel we've lost another, oh, yes, we also have lost Alonzo Medifield against William Knight, right, so that was another, um, yeah, lightweight fight that was meant to happen, and Medifield has unfortunately tested positive for COVID, so, uh, yeah, we lose, yeah, I was like, oh, I, you know, I swear it was meant to be 12, so, yeah, that was the other fight we lost, I mean, yeah, so, um, yeah, you know, it is what it is, but we still get 10 fights, and remember, same thing happened last week, and they were 10 fire-ass fights, so, you know, let's see, people, let's see if history will repeat, and let's be honest, we haven't had a shit card yet, <laughs> you know what I mean, we haven't had a shit card, I hope I haven't jinxed us, but uh, I don't think we have, so yeah, looking forward to this people, and um, yeah, we will soon be finding out what the hell's gonna happen. Okay, people, so we are at the end of another episode, but before we bounce, let's take a look and see what's happening with all these fights and whatnot, right? So, the other day, you know, it came clear that uh, a few fights had gone, right? So, um, Marcelo Arojo, he was meant to be making his debut, but... You know, lost the fight Lost the fight, COVID gets in the way But <laughs> You know what I mean With everything going on There's always possibilities So Charles Jordan Was meant to be fighting Steve Garcia, Garcia You know, next Well, on the 13th of March Right, that was meant to happen But Garcia He's had to pull out of the fight, right? So it means that Rojo, he is now stepping in and um, he will be making his uh, debut. You know what I mean? So, hey, things worked out for him, man. But hopefully, Garcia gets better real soon. 
another fight happening on the 13th of March, which, man, I, I feel this came out real out of nowhere, but Courtney Casey will be locking up with JJ Aldridge. That's an interesting one. Both both fighters are looking to turn things around, right? So uh, yeah, we'll see what happens with there. Now, as you realise, uh, you know, Alonzo Menafield he had to um, withdraw from his fight against William Knight at the weekend. It's been rebooked. It's been rebooked and will now take place on the 27th of March at UFC 60. Whew, there are some good fights on that card, people. Uh, so we jump now to the 10th of April. And Impa Kasanganai will be fighting Sasha Palatikhanov. Right, so um, you know, I, I feel this is Impa's comeback fight after that knockout, I believe. And um, you know, Sasha, you know, looks real good on the contender and all of that. So, hey, not necessarily an easy fight for Kasang and I, you know, because you think he hasn't actually had that many fights. Right, so I think Sasha's had more fights than him. Right, so yeah, we will see what happens there. But both contender series, you know, cats right there, people. So the next week on the 17th of April, Dakar Close, he's uh, yeah, he's fighting. You know, he's meant to be fighting Louis Penner, but that fight fell through due to COVID. So, um, yeah, on the 17th of April, Close will be going up against the veteran, you know, the little heathen himself, Jeremy Stevens. I am looking forward to that. And I'm um, headlining the card on the 17th. We have got Robert Whittaker against Paolo Costa. Yo. You know what I mean? You gotta feel that fight right there is gonna play into who will be fighting for the belt next at middleweight, people. So then we jump to May, and on the 1st of May, Felipe Corrales will be fighting Journey Newsome. The week later, on the 8th, Christine Aguilera. Christian Aguilera even Will be fighting Colston Harris Then the week after that The 15th of May And UFC 262 Andrea Lee is fighting A Shevchenko ah, Antonina Shevchenko ah, that, That's a really good fight That's a really good fight people uh, so then, the week after that, on the 22nd of May, Denny's Abonda, he's going to be fighting Victor Rodriguez. And, hey, we knew it was coming, right? We, we knew it was coming. Dana had told us this was a must. 
So it will be taking place at UFC 263 on the 12th of June. Davison Figueredo will be going up against Brandon Moreno in the sequel. So after that just memorable draw, that memorable draw to close out, you know, the the pay-per-views last year. What kind of fight is this going to be? Are we going to get the Hellraiser? Or is it going to be something completely different? I don't know, people. But we will find out on the 12th of June. I cannot wait. People, that's us, man. So, um, yeah, Saturday, we have got, you know, Jazzinho Rosenstruck against Cyril Gunn. That was a great card. And uh, we will be back on Monday to uh, break it all down. So, people, enjoy the fights, and we will see you on Monday. Peace.